Studios in Walnut Kills, California. This is Lucha World. This is your host, Vandal Drummond. And I, I'm I here still, with uh, Alfredo Esparza. I still like when Conan asked me what the name of the podcast was, and I was like, Lucha World Podcast. It's like, we didn't really think of, we didn't really think of it. El Gran like, Lucha World. It's like, El I, Mundo. Really did it. I wasn't really going to come up with a, a name for it. <coughs> I... I, I just I just want to say if I had more money to uh, buy a new outfit, I'd like to do a character to team with White Pork called Vaca Loca. <laughs> have you seen them recently? I have not seen White Pork lately, but you know, whenever I see the Wyatt family uh, on WWE, I think yeah, it's truly creepy. But White Pork is even creepier. They should add a White Pork like as the fourth member. Just have him show up. That would be great. Pig mask. Imagine how many pig masks they could sell. Yeah, yeah. Like for those of you who have not seen White Pork, this is just not like a pig mask. It looks like a pig head. Yes, exactly. Like they mounted a pig's head on yeah. this guy, and it it looks like something you've seen in a black and white uh, David Lynch film in <laughs> the seventies. Like like you could picture him going onto the set of a racer head and fitting right in. Uh, well, we got we got all sorts of news to cover this, this week and some nostalgic. Uh, this is actually the, the 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 most closest podcast we've done. You know, like we've actually done. It's only been a little like, over two weeks, yeah, right? Like about two or three weeks at least. Excellent. Usually, we take like six, three months or something. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. We almost have this be a quarterly podcast. We're going to try to change that. That doesn't mean I've watched much more wrestling than I have. You've actually watched less since the last time you did a podcast. I've watched. Uh, you know, Fredo and I have talked about this before uh, the podcast. I've watched several. Uh, I've watched several really old matches. Yeah, the '80s wrestling. Yes, and uh, I've under you know by Fredo's uh, suggestion, I watched the a women's AAA match from recently, and we'll yes, be talking I about that. I recommended a women's match. I and it was a great recommendation, the, the, which the per, we'll get the, into. Yeah, the person that actually wrote that the women's wrestling was horrible in 2013, which it was. Mm-hmm. For yes. The most part. Yes, there are some good women wrestlers in Mexico. It's well, we've talked about this with CML. Uh, you only have a few leaders. Yeah, 
uh, with the women, like you, you were saying, Amapola, who is my current fave in CMLL as far as the women go. But you have a lot of ones who... And Marcella. Yeah, and then, but you have a lot who who can't lead a match, who can't carry each yeah. other. They're kind of like awkward and... They're, well, they're green. They're green. Well, I think that's the quota Like for every promotion. There's basically two women. Because mm-hmm. in CML, it's the M2, and then in Triple H, it's the Apache sisters. Yes. And then everybody else is just like, okay. And while this is the only Triple uh, A women's match I've seen in quite some time, if in, most like, matches are representative of this, they're not doing too badly. In, in like six years, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A lot has changed. Where are the Moreno sisters? Where is all these other... Yeah, they're not still there. Yeah. What? Cynthia, I think. Talk to she, me. She's an independent now. I can't remember. I think she's an independent. Yeah, um, I only told you to watch it because I, I think it was because I was, I was really horrified by Taya Valkyrie's um, bump, her drop kick. She does yes. a drop kick and lands on her back, and it just looks really awkward. But I think it's more her just having awkward she just bumps she, awkward things yeah she works her butt off she's a hard worker she has a great presence but exactly you said that drop kick and it's funny because you said she's trained by uh lance storm yeah. yes yeah uh you know it's it kind of has a when you were describing it to me it sounded like it has like a dynamite kid flavor uh remember dynamite kid used to do the standing drop kick there's been a few other people who have done that. Like I think Pillman used to. But do it's that. nothing you do when you're green. I mean, you ju- jump up. You're supposed to jump up. That's the whole. Yeah, thing. Dynamite Kid would jump up, do the drop kick, land on his shoulder blades, kip up, do it again, yeah, and yeah. then do it again. And it looked cool. I think she's just too well, too green of, to be doing this. A lot of the stuff she was doing, like I was telling you, like the Jennifer Blake spot where mm-hmm. she w- she went for a pin attempt. But the way, even like her, although I think she's actually improved a lot more. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's a lot of hesitation in how they yes. work that. Yes, yes. Because I mean, you see Fabi and Mary, and they're just like, they're just going like all out. There's no, there's no, there's no hesita- hesitation. Mm-hmm. But like, when Jennifer Blake and Ty are in there, it's like, yeah, they're the they're, real thing. Yeah, they're they're trying, but it's like it's still a little. It will be interesting to see how they are saying in another few months because they're better than I mean. I'm not a big Taya Valkyrie fan, but I mm-hmm. mean, she's better than the Divas. Oh, God, yeah. God, I, this isn't one of those things where they're just creating this horrible mess in the ring. It's that? awkward, but they're, but still, it's an enjoyable match. You know, it's. Did you see that um, Meltzer and uh, Brian Alvarez were talking about um, Oksana versus one of the one of the Funkadactyls or whatever they're called. I didn't know. <laughs> like, you, don't even know, you don't even know who they are. Huh? It doesn't, I know Oksana, but I don't know the Funkadactyls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. One of those girls. One yeah. other girl. Who, and uh, the girl was going like for a, like a, a, a try for a pin attempt. Mm-hmm. And Oksana was standing over her and she just dropped the knee right on her face. Oh. She broke her orbital bone. Man. And I was like, I, I thought, okay, it's an accident or something. But the way it looks, it just looks like she just was being a bitch and just like dropped, wow. the, dropped the knee on her. It looks horrible. Like that's something that I think like old, like a real professional, like a real legit mm-hmm. wrestler would have beat the crap out of that girl. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Think, you would have paid for it. the sisters would have beat the shit out of her. They would have. Remember we were watching that uh, show at Pico Rivera where... Uh, there was that one guy oh, yeah, from that TJ one girl, that just TJ, beat yeah. the crap out of that. Because <laughs> that girl was messing up, so she yeah. beat the shit out of her. Yeah, and that's what. And that's not the first time she did that to her. She did I, believe her I believe it. I believe it. She did that. She did that, that to her at a show where it was like a. It's like this YouTube. Like mm-hmm. a, it's on Facebook. It became like this Facebook thing where everybody was passing it around. But it's like a, an out, outdoor building, mm-hmm. an outdoor arena, 
and you could see all these apart people at outside their apartments watching the the show. <laughs> That's and great. I love her, it. You just see her beat the shit out of that girl. Wow. And it was the same wow. girl. Because if you remember that, um, and bless Hudson Envy yeah, for Hudson coming Envy in, and was the one that got her away from her. Like, yeah, just make sure she wouldn't. That get her. gives big kudos yeah. to her. She's cool. Yeah, we should talk about um, Minnie Chessman passed away. Very sad yeah. uh, news. Uh, sounds like there's a plague of like a strain of yeah, pneumonia. Yeah, yeah, because um, Cerebro ne- Negro's been sick for like the last month. Wow, he's been in the hospital for over a month with it, and I think um, that's what um, the other guy, um, the AAA staff member, passed away from. Oh, that's right. Nunez? Yeah, Jesus Nunez. Yeah. And I think somebody else did, too. It's, it's... Oh, Payaso Coco Blanco. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize his was... Uh... I think it might have been. That. Wow. Yeah. Because uh, the mini chessman, man, that caught me by surprise. Yeah. I. Somebody mentioned that his wife had brought it up mm-hmm. on his Facebook page, so I went and checked, and I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even know he was sick. Uh... Yeah, so... Because he rustled, like, I think maybe, like, a month ago or something. That is About so scary. Well, pneumonia is a sneaky thing. Yeah. Uh, it's... You know, it, well, when I was a little kid, I was in the hospital for over a week with pneumonia. Wow. I think nowadays they'd give you two aspirin and yeah. say, "Good luck, hope you yeah. don't die, give you some antibiotics." But yeah, it's it's, it's a serious thing. But they, but I I did hear something recently on the news about a particular strain of yeah, pneumonia going I, yeah, on. Yeah, because I I noticed somebody um, retweeted this thing that's going on in Mexico mm-hmm. where it told them not to shake or hug people. <laughs> Which not to shake people? Shake people's hands. I'm going to say, is it a hands. tradition in Mexico yeah, to pick to somebody shake, up and shake not them? Not shake hands or, or hug anybody at. Like, yeah. And I was like, well, oh, what's going on? Because I guess there's a there's a, right. there's a flu bug over there or something. Yeah, like, well, and the flu bug here, they've been yeah, telling... Yeah, you know, here you shake hands, you just go to your doctor and yeah. get it, get it <laughs> exactly. resolved, you know? Exactly. Get a shot. <laughs> I still like the way you said you don't shake people. Don't I, sh- I have, shake a, I have a picture of the late Popey Tecas greeting somebody or picking them up but think, shaking them I like a... shaking them is okay. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, you know, it's basically everything that we do at a wrestling show that's not okay. <laughs> Shaking someone is okay. Getting fondled is yes, okay. Yeah, okay. But shake, handshakes, handshakes, and hugs are, are not acceptable. Which brings me to the young bucks. I don't mean to. I don't mean to laugh about the young this. Bucks, um, did yeah. you hear about the young bucks? We're going to work in Mexico. I heard that. Um, this past what was it? When was the eleventh? That was yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Matt Jackson was in a match in uh, New Japan. Mm-hmm. And he broke his hand in two places. Oh, bummer. So he might not be able to go to... I guess wow. today he's going to go see a doctor here in the U.S. And I guess he'll find out if he can rust. He thinks he's going to be out for a few months. Wow, I wonder so, if he's going to tough it out. Yeah, I, I know. I, that's 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 what... I mean, it's... I would think he probably won't because it's his hand. Yeah. Well, speaking of toughing it out... Yeah, talking please about... Please tell me... Injury, he, injury yeah, but please, when you told me this on the phone last night, tell us about Cometa. No, not Ray Cometa. Puma. Oh, Puma, I'm sorry. Puma. Ray Cometa's okay now. He, I told you that. I think that was the last but, show. B- but we're talking... We're, we, Puma um, Puma had a... Was in, Puma and Tiger were in a tag title match versus mm-hmm. Jeremiah Jr. and Delta, which is actually okay, but they could have been. it could have been better. Mm-hmm. I think part of it was the injury... Puma suffered, in the first fall, Puma suffered a, a torn bicep. A torn bicep. Torn bicep. Kept rustling. But I think the other part was that I think there was like, there was a lot of like, um, I don't know, like Delta and Girl Maya Jr. for whatever reason weren't meshing well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like a lot of their tag double team moves just didn't come off right. And a lot of that has to do with Delta. I think it's both because I think Girl Maya Jr. is a singles wrestler. Yes. He's basically a guy who could work mm-hmm. singles. And Delta's very like, 
tries to be Jeremiah Jr. Oh. And he can't be like Jeremiah Like he's Jr. trying to follow yeah, he's trying his to do moves like, and just, like just isn't stuff, ready. He's trying to be at his level and he just isn't at Well, I, I, you know. So Puma kept working with the with the torn bicep. Well, and obviously they probably knew he was hurt. Yeah, I wonder if the, that kind of threw them off. And the thing off. is, like him and Tiger, if you watch their what they do in the ring, mm-hmm. Tiger is the guy who does like the, the drop kick, mm-hmm. the super kick. And Puma's the one that lifts the guy up. He's basing. He's basing. So um, you could tell he was like, he toughed it out. That was actually like very impressive. I, I always thought there should be like an annual Purple Heart Award for somebody who toughs things out. The, he the worked other, the next day too, like the Pueblo <clears throat> show. Yes, so. and that's that's the other thing I think. Yeah. Wow, what a tough dude. And I think that's probably going to raise him, move him up the ladder. It now. probably will. In the long run, assuming his bicep doesn't get destroyed. Uh, yeah, that's the Yeah, other and thing. the only thing wrong about having a Purple Heart Award is. Uh, I could see, well, no, I don't think Russ would be foolish enough to do it, but you can see some indie guys saying, I'm going to show it, I'm going to get hurt, and I'm going to keep wrestling. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. My I arm think, got hacked off, but I can still go. And then that's when you get addicted to painkillers. Yes. That's, it's that's only that, a flesh yeah, that, wound. That, it's only where, a flesh wound. That's where it all falls apart. Um, who else was that? But it was funny because we were talking about Sin Cara and how, mm-hmm. how everybody was like talking about his um, finger injury and stuff like that. Yes, and like these two guys are still toughing it out. Yeah, exactly, and they like, probably were making yeah. a, a. They're probably making like a fraction of what Sin Cara. Exactly, was exactly. Yeah, but it's it's just one of those things. Some guys can tolerate pain a little more than other people. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, my bro-in-law has the highest pain threshold of anybody I ever seen to the point where. It'll scare me sometimes because yeah. he'll I'll say, you need to see a doctor about this. He goes, no, no, I'm going to write <laughs> okay. it out. Like, what the hell? I, 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 that's why I, I could never be a full-time wrestler, you know? Yeah. As soon as I see something wrong on me, I'm going to the doctor and, you know. I, I could only imagine, like, <laughs> I, 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 if you, just getting a cramp while you're sleeping. It's like, yeah, it's like, what's it's wrong? Like, yeah, it's like, like you're, Sweet a, mother a, of a God. Lay, a lay cramp. When you get a leg cramp, have you ever had a leg cramp? I get them every couple of months. Those hurt like they, a... Oh, yes, my they, God. I finally got one like a couple of months ago for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. I could... I, I, I almost screamed. I was like so like... Because, you know, it's not something I'm used to. I, I'm pretty much like... I don't get pain. Yeah. Like, I'm not like a pain type of person. Leg cramps are just such a weird pain. And, yeah. uh, well, one of the times I got one, I did scream. It was so bad. And, well... But, <laughs> I'm putting my brother-in-law and all <laughs> over this podcast. <laughs> Massage your leg. <laughs> no, he. It was the first time I ever took a soma because oh, really? he uh, was in the next room, and uh, once he had hurt his back so bad that he was, you know, given some somas, and, you know, only used a few of them. And when he heard me screaming, he he comes running. Then what's wrong? What's happening? Are you being attacked? <laughs> and you know, Elena's Elena's massaging my leg, and then he went and said, "Take the soma and." Uh, in like 15 minutes, it felt so much yeah, better. Yeah, I was like, and I'm the type of person who's just going to like wait mm-hmm. it out. So it's like, I just, exactly, I just exactly. Like, I'm just going to wait it well, out. Well, that's what I typically do because when I took the soma, I also realized, oh my God, I realized why this is so addictive. This is amazing. <laughs> you feel good. You feel good. It's scary yeah. how good you feel. Uh, my, my, my basic, my, my own, the only medication I will take mm-hmm. is maybe NyQuil and that's basically it. No, that's smart. The that's list. basically it. That's not even like, I have to be really sick to be drinking. Now, the less you take, the better. Your yeah. immune system is meant to be Speaking challenged. Speaking of medication, let's talk about Sincar. No, Because <laughs> <laughs> he's looking a little bit um, bigger lately, but. No, actually, wow. he's back in Mexico now. For now, now, what is the current status with him? Um, he actually had a show celebrating the anniversary mm-hmm. of his gym. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because the big news 
while he might have been the big news and the person who who brought a lot of people to the the to the event, it was an mm-hmm. outdoor event. Um, probably the bigger news to everybody else was that he had his brothers, who are AAA workers, mm-hmm. working with Sombra, who's a CMLL guy. Yes. So um, there was a lot of controversy off of that. So now, of course, Sombra can't take a, a, a vacation, can't like maybe not work a show without everybody not thinking there's something going on. Just it, him appearing on yeah, that show created yeah, quite a buzz. He's going to be in the rumor mill going forward from now on. Wow. And he actually said at the show he was happy in CMLL. And I think, I mean, if there's somebody who you could believe, I think him and Jeremiah Jr. are probably the two guys I could believe are they considered two of the more down-to-earth guys? Well, Jeremiah Jr. is a really good guy. We've met him. Yeah, he's we've a, met he him. is a he's, very he's nice a guy. He's a very nice guy. But um, Sombra, Sombra, I kind of, I mean, just the place he's at. Yeah. And I mean, none of those guys who are at his position leave CMLL. It's usually like guys who are kind of wavering in the, you don't really, it very rarely, because the guys who do leave are guys who are complaining a lot. Like Dr. Wagner Jr., you knew he was going to mm-hmm. leave because he kept complaining about being in CMLL. Right. <laughs> he was complaining <laughs> about not being... And these guys haven't complained. I mean, Sombra's kind of like in the Narrow Casas, Blue Panther kind of, Atlantis kind of group that... I, I think he would be taking a huge risk to be jumping to AAA or anywhere else because he's got such a solid spot. And I, I could easily see in AAA him kind of being lost in the mix. I actually think he would be fine because he's big enough. He's a big true, enough guy. True. He's a big enough guy where I think... I think the only thing I would worry about, mm-hmm. and this is this is being honest, mm-hmm. because I know Dave Meltzer yeah. and I know Conan, mm-hmm. they're going to use the charisma thing on him a lot. They're going to pull that card on him, and it, they won't push him. Yeah, yeah, that's what. I, I and it, boy, and I get along with Conan. I, I know he does. He is he is big on charisma. Uh-huh. He won't push the guy if he doesn't think he's charisma. I have that's to perfect. say, I. It, in this case, with Dave Meltzer and Conan, man, do I disagree. Yeah. I think that guy has a charisma. And it's a, an unlikely charisma. It's the most bland outfit, wrestling outfit. His name wears. is like the simple, like, sombra. But he still gets over beautifully. Yeah. I mean, I love watching him. I mean, not just because he's a good technical wrestler. Yeah. He's... I just think I just think that, that would happen because it, it, it there's a track record yep. in, in AAA that guys who don't have charisma... Or who who are not conceived con- conceived to not have yeah. charisma don't get pushed. Mm-hmm. Ray Cometa, Aerostar. Yes, Ray Cometa. I mean, how is it possible that this guy goes to CML? Ray Escorpion, mm-hmm. guys who go to who never got a shot in AAA, go to CMLL, and all of a sudden these guys actually have drawn houses. Like, yeah, they actually had a like Ray Ray Cometa drew a big house at that one show where him and um, Stuka, who's another guy who doesn't have a lot of charisma. Yes. Versus two Japanese dudes, and one of those Japanese dudes is like one of the shittier workers. <laughs> the triple in yes. CMLL. Yes. But um, I would worry about that, and I think the only way I would go is if if I knew there the triple A deal in the U.S. was mm-hmm. I was involved. Right. Like if I was one of the people involved, like that I was going to go there because if it's not going to be that, why go? Exactly. Because CMLL, you're, you still have New Japan. And yeah, I there's have, a lot of a, like there's nothing in other in Japan. That can match what New Japan can offer. <laughs> yeah, there's a ton of wrestling in Japan, but it's all, it's New Japan is still, yes, I think, the go-to place it's, if it's you want to go. You never hear any like major problems. Like, mm-hmm. there's not a this whole risk that it's gonna like fall into the ocean and be done with. You know? <laughs> exactly. Like Noah, I mean Noah. When Kenta, when that Kenta rumor was, when he went to the WWE um, mm-hmm. training center, everybody started like, oh my god, it's the end of Noah because Kenta's <laughs> leaving. 
all Japan, the same problem. Russell won. You never mm-hmm. know what's going on. So it's like, I, I would probably just stick with CMLL. But, you know, you never know. These guys are... I think the surprise is going to be somebody like... Somebody that... either It's either a mid-card guy in CMLL. Mm-hmm. Uh, an independent guy already that's already been there that's coming back. Yeah. Or it could be somebody that Jarrett's bringing in. Mm-hmm. Because I actually find it weird why Jarrett hasn't brought anyone in. If he's going to start his own promotion, don't you think these guys should have like a little exposure? Uh, good question, yeah. Because, I mean, Jarrett's supposedly going to start a new promotion. I remember hearing the seeds of that rumor a few weeks ago, and like I said, I've been way off the radar. And I tried to get it out of Conan. He would. He told oh, me. Okay. He told me. He told me that it's under wraps. Yeah, he okay. told me Jarrett won't even tell him. Okay, so it's like. <laughs> well, then I guess we're not meant to know yet. Yeah. Um, you must tell people about the new Japanese presence in CMLL. I, oh, I'm going to be watching tonight on YouTube looking for stuff of him just on, based on what you said. Yeah, Kamaitachi is a, basically a... His character is... Um, what is it? It's like a ghost squirrel or ghost weasel. I love it. That has blades. I love it! But, you know, except the blades were like actual blades. God, that's beautiful. So what they did with this char- the character, the the outfit, they put the blades within his um, armbands. Oh, my God. So they're God. like these plastic-looking armbands. But it looks like this it, the hokiest-looking outfit you could ever find. Like, it's just like... It, it has, like, fur. I think it's fur-looking stuff. Beautiful. But it's, like, even worse than the Namahagri outfit. Remember the original? No. Oh, that's awesome. So, but then, like, when he gets in the ring, he actually works... The gimmick, like he actually does all the spots and stuff like that. Oh. So he's actually pretty. He's actually pretty good. I was actually surprised at how good, how he was much better than I actually expected him to be. It's the first thing I'm doing when I get home tonight. I am going to be. I think. I think finding the, footage of him. I think the key to the New Japan guys is that they wear like funky outfits. Mm-hmm. They're good. Yes. But if they show up like with weird haircuts, <laughs> without mask, yeah, they're usually shitty workers. Yoshihashi <laughs> and Tachi, they mm. both suck. So there might be something to it. But yeah, he's pretty good. I was surprised at how good. Wait, he was. Ta- wait, Tashi, which one? Tachi was the blonde, the the bleach blonde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Shitty worker that takes off his pants. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's shitty. Um, we should talk about Triple A's on Ray the Reyes. Yes, let's talk they about have, that. Um, La Parca, Paraguay Junior, and Zorro are the first three in, in the group and to reach the finals, and um, that's why the everybody's thinking the somber rumor started right. again. Uh, they're, they have the next block in, a, I think, not this week, but probably the next week. And one of the guys in that block is a, sur- a surprise. Mm. So everybody assumes it's either Sin Cara or... Um, and then Sombra came in. But I think it's probably going to be a mid... It might be it might be somebody who's from the past or something. Right. Or it might be somebody like a you know, mid-card guy. I, I don't know. I mean, there's so many... I mean, CMLL has been debuting so many new guys... Somebody has to kind of get it in his head that, hey, you know, all these guys coming up, I mean, maybe mm-hmm. I should leave. Yeah, no, it could benefit somebody these, to make a jump. Yeah, because all these guys who are moving up are really good. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, Have you you haven't been watching CML lately, right? I, I've, the, uh, the only, st- besides that woman's match, the only thing I've the watched triple, in the CML over two weeks are... Uh, Nero Casas, things involving Nero Casas. <laughs> Normally that would be the truth, but no. In the last few weeks, I've just been watching some from the DVD set of the oh, 80s, okay, okay. which we'll talk about well, later. Well, they too. actually they've been debuting a lot of. Well, not only debuting, but they've been elevating a lot of younger mm-hmm. guys, like the Barbara Cavernario. Mm-hmm. I don't think you've seen him, have you? I've heard of him, but I have not. He seen He works him. in Guadalajara. Looks like a caveman. <coughs> he's he's this young, like nineteen, twenty year old guy. Mm-hmm. 
but he dresses like a caveman. Dig it? So they created a new Peste Negra, uh-huh. which of course they like stopped like a week later. That's where I heard of him. I saw the new so Peste I don't, Negra. I don't know if they're actually going to keep going. Mm-hmm. I think they are because he's in the finals with Mr. Niebla. Mm-hmm. But um, him and Herodes Jr. have moved up. Mm-hmm. Although Herodes Jr. dropped down again. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Something's up with that. Oh boy. Well, he's not as good. He's not as... Barbara Carbonari is really good. Like, he's okay. a good worker. Herodes Jr. is still a little... He's more charisma than... Um, than still a good worker he's he's still he's still he's still a little green um blue panthers kids are have moved up um Negro felino sons are moving up too like they're kind of like in that middle upper mm. echelon i dig what a fam, you know family presence there is in cml at this moment i mean there's the making of some cool and they angles brought the, i think i told you about the monterey guy that i thought was really good ray hechicero yes He's now in CMLL. Oh, cool! And he's really good. Ooh! He, he does this. Um, he does a submission spot where it's like a cobra clutch, but he twit. He spins the guy around like. Oh, like nice, a, like a, like nice. A, like kind of like the the giant swing. Years ago, if Coloso Colosetti had a smaller guy, he, he used, would do that. He would clamp the sleeper hold on the person and and spin them around, and yeah, it looked really cool. And she said it was kind of like Guerrero Maya Junior. Guys who are more, um, they're they know that they, there's guys who can do all these new flashy moves mm-hmm. but they're more believers of bringing back the older stuff so you'll see like old moves and people are like what is that and it's like an old move that that's just, cool they just redid or whatever so that's very cool re-educate really them and i and i would bet a lot of those old moves uh you can save a little wear and tear on the, the body as yeah, you're doing and, them you know and then they're elevating bobby zavala too yeah i did I, that guy he's really cool he's really good so i mean that's why i keep thinking there's somebody in the mid card who's gonna end up leaving cmll just yeah. there's so many guys. I mean, yeah. and then like the guys who they've elevated have been so much better than the guys. That are, <laughs> like Ray Cometa, they've been using yeah. Ray Cometa somewhere a little higher. He's actually been working a lot of indie. Yeah, that's why I'd like both CMLL and AAA to thrive eternally because the more they do, the more people are going to have the opportunity to jump and barter for and I think higher it, pay. It, 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 I know people like always get all upset when somebody leaves because they start blaming the promotion. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it, it's it's so much better when somebody just leaves just because it change it freshens things up. I yeah, mean, I mean, how many times like the Psycho Circus wrestling the El Consejo? Mm-hmm. It's been going on for so long, but now they have Hijo Fantasma in there, replacing one of the other guys. Although he sometimes that's the other thing. I think Hijo Fantasma has a, like a like a day job or something, mm-hmm. so it's easier for him to jump. Right. You know what, that's what I. That's what I kind of like. Certain guys make enough money just doing wrestling. Yeah, it's kind I of can't ex- see them like going to AAA because it, it it takes a or, or being independent because it takes it a little more. Yeah, so it's something I didn't know until a few years ago that a number of guys who would work for Nick Goulas in Memphis years ago, it's it, you probably heard stories about Nick Goulas's payoffs and yeah. I always thought. How could the people who are regulars afford to eat? And then I found out a lot of them had day jobs. Yeah, it's always weird when you hear like guys yeah. having day jobs. Like Starman works at a museum or something. <laughs> so, That's cool. So oh god, does he wear his mask at work? I have no idea, but I think I can't remember what he what he did. There's a story up on him, like on, oh, on the news. that's sweet. But it was it was funny because um, he always no shows. But it's not that he's no showing. He has to go to work. Got a job. It's like it's better no showing to work and losing your, you know, because he he very well might have. So it's always funny when you hear all these guys no showing. It's like, oh, why is this guy no showing? (laughs) But then now you know it's like, okay, maybe because he has a real job. Exactly. He can. It it makes sense for indie shows, especially like the. Oh, it's I. You know, me being around indies here forever. It's happened so many times where. You know, if, if the promoter isn't a dick, you know, somebody says, oh, he had to work. They go, oh, okay, understandable. Yeah, you know? yeah. Or, or 
they have a family get together. Like I'm surprised guys don't know show more often mm-hmm. based off family get togethers. Like Lucha wrestlers, I'm guessing a lot of those guys know show because they have to go to like a birthday party or some actually what some I think family it, thing. What I think is cool function. is there are so many times in the All Nation Center, it's all the family. The family there. would yeah. be there at the yes, match, yeah, and you yeah. see a whole a whole a crowd of people off yeah. in one corner, and it's like one of the wrestlers' family. Well, the Legend cool. Show, the Legend Show here in uh, when we go to the Legend Show in L.A. There's always like families like everywhere. I love us it. to stick around longer because it's families there, and it's like, yeah, we don't even know these people. Yeah, and they're having barbecues yeah, out yeah, in the parking yeah, lot. I like, love it. I love those. We don't know these people. I love those old timer shows. First those of all, we fun. don't know the people, and we're scared. <laughs> we're scared. <laughs> <laughs> we're scared. Why? Well, I, I, I know a number of the people. Yeah, but it's funny. A lot. Uh, the, sure, you know. Them. The biggest shock, shock to me was uh, the last Legend show we went to. Uh, Halco and Blanco's son, who was probably like like in his twenties, just says, "Hey." I, you know, I, I I used to watch that match where you teamed with my father over and over again, and I'm thinking I didn't know what who he was. Who he was? I'm going, who's your dad, Halcon Blanco? And I'm going, oh my gosh, <laughs> that was the second lucha match I ever had in this tiny little bar in Long Beach. And yeah, yeah. He, I guess the kid was like like six or seven years old at the time, and wow. somebody, a relative, taped the match. So he said, yeah, I'd watch it over and over. I'm going, that's awesome. And he he wanted to get his picture taken with me just for that. And I'm saying. Nobody ever asks me for to get a picture taken. I, Nobody remembers anything you know, about me years ago. You know, so if Dan, if Dan was there next to you, you would have said, "Poor kid." I know exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I was laughing because I was watching Raw, mm-hmm. and while I was watching Raw, I was thinking, "I wonder if um, that guy who stalks Dan is at that show." <laughs> <laughs> Because he's at every wrestling show. I've seen him at a bunch of wrestling shows. Oh, that's so funny. I don't want to. Oh God, I don't want to like like start saying who it is. Or yeah, we won't we won't name name any names. Name but, name. But name, Dan Farron has name. a stalker. Da- yeah, yeah. Dan Farron has a stalker. We should yeah. make that into a T-shirt. Yes. Dan Farron has a stalker, and yeah, but no, I, I I marked out for myself in that moment. Just, but I was very tickled that somebody actually remembered. Uh, me from a show in a dingy little bar over and, twenty and, years and, ago. And it was a positive memory. A positive memory. It? Yeah. <laughs> I like, was, oh. Oh God, you suck so yeah, bad. Suck. Well, see, that's the only good thing. Like when you go to indie shows, it's not like people don't react that negatively to like, because like Hell Kid. Yes. I'll use Hell Kid as an example. Mm-hmm. Doctor Lucha and I talk about Hell Kid all the time. And, like, we know all the other stuff that goes with Hell Kid and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But we actually just remember it as a positive. Like, it was like a, like, yeah, we like to talk about how bad he was in the ring. And yeah. like yes, but yes. But that's, that's part of the charm of going to an indie show. Exactly. Like, it's not a big deal. You know, yeah. there there are some workers who are not really up to snuff on a lot of the Lucha shows. And, you know, but they're good people. They're not yeah. They're not hurting anybody. They're, yeah, not, they're yeah. not messing up stuff. And uh, They just have this completely different, distorted view of what life is or, yes or where yes. they fit in pro rush exactly it exactly. tends to be a little weirder that is very true that is yeah. very true so you want to talk about the 80s wrestling oh my god set. I that you lost the first disc I night. lost the oh god yeah he has lost this one and I'm going to make another copy for him my god this is an amazing set oh god this a set of DVDs of the best of 80s lucha and yeah, the first disc, I watched about half of it, and I was cleaning house in a hurry because people were coming over, and I have no idea where I put it, and I'm begging Fredo to replace it for me because it is <laughs> so good. It has uh, it, ha- it has Connect versus Fujinami, Connect versus Don Corleone. It has the... Uh, Who was Don Corleone? I can't remember. 
Tony Rocco, Tony who I think is one of the most underappreciated wrestlers. He was the shiny guy at um, Wrestle Reunion, right? Yeah, the super yeah. tan guy. It's so weird because when you see the guys in person, mm-hmm. you they're like you're the same height or you're taller than them. But then when you watch them on on film, they look gigantic. They look gigantic. Yes, like he looked like a giant. I like I don't remember this like. But he looked a lot bigger than he did he in did. person. He did. Uh, and th- it has the famous Sangre Chicana versus MSA Uno Apuestas matches, which that first one, I think, I, even after, you know, seeing it for the first time over a year later, uh, I think that's probably my favorite uh, hair versus hair match. That yeah. How about seen. the appreciation now to Sangre Chicana? 15 years later after I like would tell people that he was really good you know what you're one of the ones who told <laughs> no I, 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 I go on the record saying I didn't see Tonkri Chicana for the first time till 1990 and uh, he wasn't bad but I was saying hey what's all the rage about it wasn't until Fredo encouraged me to see some of his vintage stuff that guy was a rock star yeah, was that really guy nice. was amazing that guy was a great great worker especially as a baby face yeah I mean really I nice. thought he was even better as, as a Technico than a Rudo uh, but what the match that I wanted to talk about today is that match between Kanek and Don Carleone uh, Tony Rocco in 1982 wrestled in UWA under a mask as Don Corleone very nondescript match um, I bet you a lot of the fans knew that it was Tony Rocco under the hood because he had wrestled Mexico many times. Oh, he did? Okay. And if you look at his boots, it has the uh, Olympics. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Olympic the symbol same, on it. Symbol. Yeah, those are the exact same boots he wore for years. And in uh, in Mexico, they billed him as Tony Stone. I, <laughs> I know, it's funny, kind of like a bl- pulling a blue demon in reverse mm. there. Uh, <clears throat> but... They should have named him Antonio Stone. <laughs> <laughs> Antonio Inoki Stone. Yeah, Antonio, <laughs> Antonio Inoki Stoned. <laughs> that, hey, next Incredibly Strange yeah, Wrestling. That's the gimmick. That's the gimmick. But uh, one of the reasons I loved seeing this match was uh, when I grew up, Tony Rocco was such a great mid-carder. He was a guy who... Uh, was such a dynamic baby How face. Great is okay, that? what are you giggling few, about? One of the first pictures you find on Tony Rocco is him tanning. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> with some other dude. Who's that other guy he's with? I have no idea. I'm gonna let me click on. That's thing. funny. Yeah, Tony Rocco. That's the other thing. He is a sun worshiper, very much in uh, like a lot of the guys like Freddie Blassie and John Tolis were. Oh, he was. He was. I'm surprised he didn't have. I I admit it. I remember the time we saw him at Wrestle Reunion. Yeah. I was saying that's a deep, deep tam. You should probably. Oh, it is him. oh the other guy. The, the other guy. guy. Yeah, it's Tony Rocco, and that's Tony Rocco, right? Yes. Oh my God. The other guy looks like uh, Les Thatcher. It does look like <laughs> Les Thatcher. <laughs> I don't know who it is, but he. But Tony Rocco was oh, one. Of... Is, uh, let me see. Okay, we're getting a redone. Retired trainer Byron Stanfield. I've never heard of him. I'm get. I don't think he's a wrestler. Maybe a bodybuilder or something. Yeah, professional beach bum. Ah, sounds like a good job yeah. to me. Power to anybody who can do that it. So cool. They're still doing going. You know, that's pretty cool. I mean, because this is from 2012. Tony Rocco is still in really good shape. I December 13, 2012. We saw him with. He was hanging only with, in L.A. Can you go get a tan in 2012? <laughs> in, uh, in, in, uh, in 
Christmas time. In the dead of yes. winter. I, winter time. That's one of the things I love about Southern you know what's, California. What's, what's the weather today, Kurt? We should give a weather update for everybody who's not I, in LA. When I was outside, I would guess it was 75 degrees. 75 degrees? Yeah, and it, it's probably going to get a little sunny hotter. and sunny. Very sunny. We could get a tan today yeah. if we wished. Enjoy that, all of you in the snowstorm. <laughs> We're going to get so many enemies now. <laughs> the snowstorms and all that stuff. I know. My my nephew's going to go out looking at colleges in Georgia in a few weeks. And I'm saying, <laughs> I want to buy him. Like the worst time. I want to buy him like a super winter coat or something like that. This is like the worst time to go. Because he's um, a SoCal boy. I mean, he's been around the world and stuff, but still. Yeah, that's got to be like the worst time. I bet you, I bet you all these kayfabe memories uh, post on, mm-hmm. on Tony Rocco. Mm-hmm. Or just what you wrote. <laughs> they could be. It wouldn't be. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm one guy who just I, I rave about that guy. Yeah. He was, you know, admittedly he was a stiff worker. Uh, I remember Billy Anderson told me you had a guy who did not love phoning in the match. He, he said Rocco was a guy who it didn't matter if he's on a tiny indie show or a huge arena show. The guy loved to work. Like he. Wow. Love to really put his all into his so match. He must have enjoyed working with Connect. Yeah, he did. Connect's <laughs> <laughs> nah, all right. I mean, yeah, well, but, and and actually, that was one of the fun things about seeing those old matches. He's not Kinect. as bad as Mel Mascara. Oh God, no. Well, oh, with, with Kinect Kinect. Kind of is up there. Yeah, he kind of is. <laughs> but back in the early '80s, they, he worked. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, yeah. You know, in the early '80s, so did Mill. So yeah, but Mill kind of Mill is Mill. Mill, Mill kind of ju- used his brother to do all the work. <laughs> he started working a lot of tag matches. It's funny what uh, what an eclectic family that is because there's Mill Moscaris who he wrestles a match the Mill Moscaris kind yeah. of way. Then there's Dos Cars who's a great, great and then worker. There's, then there's Sigadelico. Oh my God! Did I tell you about that? Did, did I tell you about that clip of him um, working the the Dos Cars retirement match? No, <laughs> it's funny. He gets in the ring. And he does an arm drag, the most uninspired looking arm drag. Like he just like, just flips him over. Like like oh, his God. arm barely moves. And then like he does it again. He does the spot where he gets knocked down mm-hmm. and he can't get up. Oh my God! He did that in an IWRG show, and I was like, my God, that's that's now a spot. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even think it's like a, a a real like his spot. I think it's legit. He can't get up. I think it's <laughs> legit, and I'll tell you why. Is uh. I horrible he, he he was a horrible worker and he was on I was on a few indie shows in the mid 90s where he was you know being used in the main event and when he walked he, he was a nice guy but when he walked in that dressing room he looked like he was hurting yeah I mean he wasn't walking briskly let's put it was that he way. any good like when he was no there? no he was always the one th- the only time I remember him being good as a heel and as a heel in triple a his his mic his mic work was you know, great. Yeah, if, Lu- if Lucha Libre back in the day was more mic oriented, yeah, if, he should he he would have been if, a great. And if, we, and if all of the all of the Americans understood Spanish, yeah, I, I, exactly. I didn't. I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't know what he was saying, yeah, but, but he wasn't knew. stammering. And he was. He had a great, powerful voice and a people. He was getting heat from. I people. always think that that's kind of what holds back a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to American fans liking Lucha, mm-hmm. they don't. The whole they don't understand Spanish. Whereas with Japanese wrestlers. They're more willing to accept because of the work, the work rate. Yeah. But I mean, I'll watch an interview and it's like in Japanese, I don't understand a single word the guy is saying. So it's like, 
Yeah, and I, I, I think that's why if you, if you ever wanted to get international appeal, don't rely too much on the microphone. Yeah. Do as much as you can in the ring yeah. and so make it so anybody can understand promo, it. If you're a promo, you need to accept that you're not going to be a big star outside of Mexico right. or, well, or the United yeah. States or wherever you're from. You're not going to be like the... Because it's funny. I remember in, in 1972 when I started watching, Spanish stations would sometimes show wrestling from somewhere in Mexico, not... Definitely not Arena Mexico, just somewhere. Deportivo Leroy. (laughs) (laughs) Fredo was telling me about an arena called Deportivo Leroy, and I said, is that after Leroy Brown or Leroy McGurk? But I'd say it's like this movie, and I just can't remember the name. The name of the movie. Uh, And what was the line from the movie? Uh, I'll find it just using that line. Hold on, I'll look for it. And what is that line? For our guests listening. Kiss my Converse. Kiss My Converse. I love it. Which Kurt doesn't... I, I yeah, feel very old. Kiss because... My Converse. But there's a lot of stuff that I'm amazed you don't know. But it's because mm-hmm. you, you were like in a different stage in your life. Oh, totally. Stuff, and you were into wrestling. I like. could make references to shows like What's Happening the and... The Last Dragon. The Last Dragon from 19... 19- oh, Barry Gordy's the movie Barry Gordy made? I think that's yeah. like With yeah. oh, oh, who is the woman in it? In fact, in fact, the the guy who starred in The Last Dragon appeared on Oddly an indie enough, they show. They don't have a wiki page. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking 1985, for... if I remember I right. I go to IMDb. <laughs> Actually, no, I just have to type in The Last Dragon. Yes. Um, well, back to Roko. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the reasons I wanted to bring up this match is because I so often hear the phrase cookie-cutter wrestler being used, where wrestlers do beautifully proficient moves... But they're all taught by similar teachers, and they're all kind of wrestling the same cookie-cutter style, where they're all, you know, nothing stands out. They they don't look that individual. Are we talking about Delta again? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about a lot of guys yeah, a lot today. Of uh, if you want to see somebody who had a style that was unique and all his own, uh, I'm, you know, unless he uh, took it from whoever mentored him. But Tony Rocco uh, did a style, a style that appeared stiff, and I heard I heard he was kind of like Danny Hodge and that he would work stiff. But uh, seeing his match with Kinect, like brought me back like almost forty years. I I forgot how just uh, just a simple thing like an arm drag looks so so cool because he'd do it and he looked like he's putting all his might into hurling hurling the guy to the mat with an arm drag. I mean, you know, his chest would stick out and he would, you know, really look like he was like tossing the guy rather than just sweeping his arm. Uh, The other uh, cool thing is when, you know, he'd have the guy when the opponent would be sitting on the button, he had him in in a headlock. He'd hold that headlock, then he'd raise his his arm up and then like elbow him as he reapplies the headlock. Yeah. And the only thing that... bummed me out was the fact that he was wearing a mask in this match. There's very <laughs> little footage of Tony Rocco out there. Is, is, Don, wh- is Don Corleone any relation to Marco Corleone? Oh, it has to be. He had it's to be his be father. Dad, right? He yeah. must be his father. We should just start... I guarantee random, it. We should start random rumors of these guys being, like, related or something. <laughs> yes, yes. I'll bet absolutely no money There's that he is like his father. Weird, like, and people will ask. People will ask these weird questions. <laughs> because, like, but it's like my, my mom. Yeah. My mom thought, um, you know, the director Steve McQueen. 
who directed yes, and it. Yes, did she think he was related to the actor? Yes, and I go, I go, no, it's not, it's not, he's not related. I'm pretty sure he was even in the movie. I go, if he was in the movie Twelve Years a Slave, he would actually be, have to be black. Because mm-hmm. I mean, there's that's, I mean, all the white guys were pretty well known. It was Brad, Brad Pitt, Benedict mm-hmm. Cumberbatch, guys like that. Right, and so. She kept insisting that it was, uh, it was. So I show her a picture of um, Steve McQueen, mm-hmm. and she's like, "I go see, he's a black guy." Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, "Oh, okay, okay, never mind." But it's like, but you, there's so many people who like if they hear a name, they think, "Oh, this guy must be related yeah. to him." Like I can't remember who the Guerreros. Remember when people would get um, Juventud Guerrero's name wrong, and would write Juventud. Yes, Guerrero? yes, I do. People would legit ask if he was part of the Guerreros. I was and like, no. when I was at Barry Horowitz, who wrestled as Barry Hart for a while yeah, as a jobber, yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. said, oh, there's Stu's kid. Stu's kid. <laughs> uh, one, of, one of the funniest questions is... Uh, My favorite was when Barry Horowitz was Bret Hart, and I first saw him, I thought, man, Bret Hart must have been like a, taking some heavy juice. <laughs> and must have been like in the, in the, in the, at the tanning salon a lot. Because he really changed over the span of your year. I, I bought one of those tapes, those uh, Mid-Atlantic tapes. Right, one right. One of those yellow ones. I remember those. Yeah. Those were at the all the video stores. The first was him versus Tully Blanchard. Mm-hmm. I would watch that tape religiously. Like I think every it would be that and the rock and roll wrestling. Um, the Johnny tape, Legend the tape. The Johnny Legend tape. Every single That's day. So I'd cool. get out of school. I would watch that. And I would always be like, man. Bret Hart, really? Until finally, one day it came. It's it set in, and it's like that guy looks more like Barry Horowitz <laughs> for whatever. And I figured it out on my own, right? Like I, this was before dirt sheets. I knew right, dirt exactly, sheets, like that. Exactly. Back then, you actually had to learn stuff on your own. Oh yeah. So it's like, but I always thought that Sid Caesar passed away. Oh no way! Yeah, who is that? He he was uh, one of the people <laughs> ran with Mel Brooks. No, he is really? he is a very famous yeah. comedian back in the fifties and sixties. He's a guy who. Uh, Twitter is so depressing, man. <laughs> they just throw out. He was like, pretty old, though. He he lived he lived a yeah, long they, life. Uh, Shirley Temple passed away. Too. Yes, yes. Yeah. Shirley Temple, whose brother was a pro wrestler. Oh, really? Who yeah, was uh, George Temple. George Temple. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, was he good or? I have he... no idea. I in fact when was I, this like in the 30s? in the forties, I believe. And I, if I remember right, he only lasted for a while and was kind of off the uh, Temple. Oh, really? Like, like he actually got press he, out of, off of being the brother of Shirley and Temple. He lived off of Shirley's earnings later. <laughs> I, wonder if, I wonder if he lived in her guest house later. <laughs> I bet you. No, Sid says she's real cool. Meltzer would know about that. He probably would. He was telling the story. Or, or if not him, Greg Oliver and Steve he, Johnson. He knew about the Samoans. He was telling a story about the Samoans. Mm-hmm. But like everybody knows the Samoan Afasika stories. Yes. In San Francisco. He was actually talking about when they first, like going back to like before the, those offenses, wow. like the Peter Maivia, even before P- Peter Maivia, how he got the name, somebody, some promoter got the name wrong. Mm-hmm. So he became Peter Maivia. Right. Because it wasn't Maivia. It was like it was an, Mi- it- Miva or something like that or some different mispronunciation. Yeah, I can't. I, I don't know what. Yeah, but I've read it before. The last observer he mentions it, and it was like this really interesting story. It's like, man, Dave must have like all this information. Oh, he does. We gotta hook him up to the computer and like just get all the exactly <laughs> download yeah, all the information. Off of them. The other ones are Steve Johnson and Greg Oliver, who who have uncovered so much history of wrestlers going way back to the twenties and thirties. Really? Well, when their book The Heels came out. I, I th- finished reading that. Yeah, I thought, okay, they can't outdo this book. This is good. Then they came out with, uh, uh, what was the title? Heroes and Icons? I it think was so. When 
when I was a little kid, the only book that existed uh, that was really quality was a book called Whatever Happened to Gorgeous George. And by today's standard, it's not much. But when you're a kid and there's nothing yeah, yeah, about yeah. wrestling. But my, mine were the Scholastic. Remember the ones they used to sell in Scholastic? Um, you get them when you were in school. They would give you like the Scholastic. Oh, I used stuff. to get those. They never had yeah. wrestling books. They had wrestling books. In the early How 80s, cool. they had wrestling books. So I bought, the first one I bought was this, mm-hmm. um, they were always black black and um had like the fabulous ones on the cover mm-hmm. and Terry Von Eric. Oh, that's awesome. I can't remember the first one. The first one was Strange Tales of Pro Wrestling. I, have, I still have them, I think. I'll Trip have to out. And the other one, I'll probably get it for the next podcast. And the other one was this one where they just talked about um, like different stories that were going on in wrestling at that mm-hmm. time. But like that was where I first heard of Hatpin Mary. Yes. They had a Ray Stevens story, I think, on one of them. Oh, how cool. Yeah, like these really cool they stories. They actually had some pretty yeah, cool but stuff. Yeah, it, it just seemed like stuff that... <clears throat> it's They were just telling the tales of, like, the, the angles. Right. Like, they worked. But it was, like, it was always very simple. Yeah, was, very, yeah, very, very trivia-oriented. Yeah. And then there was the one I found at a, a Circle K in El Paso. Remember the Circle Ks? Yes, I remember. So uh, they still exist here. Yeah, they, they do? Yeah. Do <laughs> <laughs> I'm so used to A&PM and 7-Eleven. <laughs> and so um, they had a book... Thick book called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. I, I remember that. Was that George, George Napolitano? Napolitano. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was like the, the, the most... It just... The, the only cool thing about it was it had a ton of information on like like 100 or so wrestlers. Yeah. And that's where I got all the information like for Kevin Sullivan, guys like that. And I was like, oh my God. I, yeah. I had that book and it just ripped into like in half just because it was like one of those flimsy books. It was not well constructed. No, it wasn't well constructed. That was the same. There's a book called The Main Event that came out in 1980 by a lady named Roberta Morgan. Mm-hmm. And like if you yeah, were a casual fan you really didn't know much about wrestling, it was an enjoyable book. It had a lot of nice pictures in it. Uh but it, if you were even a, 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 in the initial stages of being a smart, um, yeah, you, you just shake and say, yeah. "Oh!" Especially when she interviewed Mil Moscaris and she said, uh, "Mil Mil Moscaris says uh, the wrestler who the other wrestler who is famous is he is a guy called El Fonto." <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> She got it wrong, the spelling. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. No, you know. But, but it was funny because the, the, I think the most famous thing out of that ma- that book is the, the Andre the Giant picture with the four girls. Oh, that's um, such an iconic that's, picture. That, that's the picture. That's the first time I saw it. One of who but, was the lady wrestler, Vicky Williams, I remember. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of stories. I don't think the book was as bad as like the magazines. I think the magazines were, was, were when you get smart. Some of the PWI magazines were... Like, oh, those oh, were all... I, I Now looking... I enjoyed them. Yeah. Because I, I could always separate being a smart and being like... I did too. I got a line. kick. And I knew wrestlers... It's, it's so funny because I remember I went through this phase where I couldn't stand the after mags because they were so hokey. But then, you know... There was always one that would bring you back. Like, there was always one. Yeah. And in hindsight, I love how hokey they were. I but always, I also remember wrestlers... I talked to wrestlers are saying, yeah, after my... You know, put some stuff in me in the magazine. I realized, oh, that's you know. A- the funny thing is that it was basically Apter and his the writers who would actually write the like the interviews. It wasn't them actually interviewing. Oh yeah, them, right? yeah, definitely, definitely. Because I, I used to love those um, point counterpoint ones where uh, I actually did that for one of my uh, mm-hmm. Lut- when I did the Lucha World yes. Monthly where I did the Alley Park La Parka back and forth. Okay, that yes, was based, that was based <laughs> off of Bobby. That's awesome. That was based off the Bobby and Dennis Condry one. When they split up and did the Midnight Express, yes. and they were arguing over it, and I was thinking, you know, I don't think Bobby and Dennis Condry would argue over this stuff. <laughs> and then there was um, there was one like when computers started being a big thing, like in like I think ninety ninety one was mm-hmm. one computers, and there was one that said the computer proves it, 
the, oh, the they, Steiner brothers are the best. They used to do that. World. And I was like, oh my God. And I remember reading it. And I kept thinking, man, why don't they show us like the whole, because they had, they said that all the, they pulled in all the stats and all that stuff. And I remember I, that's how I even like one of my first um, lists that I did. Uh-huh. Somebody would ask me about this, and oh, the computer basically. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, they didn't. They, they've been. They had done that since the seventies. In seventy five, they had uh, the computer battle royal. Like, like if the biggest superstars were put in the battle royal, who would win it? And I was shocked because uh, the last two in the battle royal were Ernie Ladd and. Uh, Andre the Giant, and I was shocked that And they, you're like, whoa, it took a computer to figure out... I know, I know. Out. No, what shocked me, obvious. though, was the computer said that Ernie Ernie Ladd eliminated Andre, yeah. and I'm going, wait, that would never happen. <laughs> you know, because I remember that, even that, that list, They what was so amazing about it was that you think it's a, it's PWI, mm-hmm. it would be like the Steiners, maybe like the WWE, yeah. the US group, but they actually had Dr. Death and Terry Gordy before they were in mm-hmm. WCW as one of the top five teams, and Stan Hansen and Dan Spivey, and I think they had Misawa, one of the Misawa tag teams. Oh, that's been cool. The Misawa Kawada tag team. That's cool. Yeah, so it was actually pretty oh, interesting. I, 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 my favorite computer story, though, in uh, the After Mags was, I think it was around 1980, where they start off the article where the computer scientist is hanging his head and sad and lamenting <laughs> that he has to destroy this computer named Matilda. It was a computer he was designing to, I can't remember, uh, solve the problem to world hunger or something like that. But Oliver Humperdinck got a hold of it oh, and, and programmed it to destroy the Briscoe brothers. Oh, and he says, so now we must destroy Matilda. She has been contaminated. Yeah, that, I think that's what you need in wrestling now because there's so much... These, and that's the problem when you get the the writers. Mm-hmm. None of them are wrestling. No, fans. no, they exactly. Like, you hear about them, and they tell you that they weren't really big wrestling fans. Like, like we've actually met a few. Like, I think the guy Matt, Matt Dan Madigan, mm-hmm. he was a wrestling. Yes, fan. yes. But um, there were but there've been other guys where you hear them, and it's like, yeah, I wasn't a big wrestling fan when I was a kid, or or even like pro wrestling. You could tell which pro wrestlers were wrestling fans. And yeah, weren't. exactly. You could just tell, like, oh, they're not really, they're just, like, not really, like, you could tell Cena was a wrestling fan. Oh, definitely. There's certain guys. I, I remember, you know, when CM I... CM Punk was a wrestling fan. I remember uh, when I would sit on a Billy Anderson school in, uh, like, around 87, 88. Yeah, you could tell which guys were wrestling fans because that was the era where a lot of guys who were uh, either bodybuilders or... Football players who never made it. Or they they were trying to get into yeah. wrestling because they saw how big it was, and you could tell which ones didn't watch wrestlings because uh, you know the the sporty types of football players or the weightlifters said, "Okay, I'm going to blow their mind. I'm going to do this, this. Then I'm going to give them the suplex so they're never going to forget." <laughs> While somebody who watched wrestling since they're a kid would talk about how they're going to sell for the audience yeah, and that yeah. kind of thing, where. These guys thought, oh, it's a power move that's going to get over, and yeah. that's all you need to do it's, is a it's good... It's going to be a power slam. Yeah, it, you have to have a good finishing move. That's what will get you over. The, it's, it was funny. Yeah, now, now there's no such thing as a finishing move. Everybody, exactly. Everybody does that move like a thousand times. The ones I love are the guys who... Like, what I loved about Scotty Tuhati and The Rock is The Rock made the elbow f- smash a finishing move years after it stopped being a finishing move, and... Yeah. Scotty Tuhati did the worm, which is the most ridiculous move, but it's great. Yeah. It's often awesome, and fans pop for it. Yeah, certain guys are just 
Ray Mysterio is one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Yep. You just can tell he's like a... He gets I mean, he grew, it. Yeah, he grew up a wrestling fan. Yeah. You can tell the second generation guys. Yeah. They were, and a wrestling family. Were, he, he he had the great yeah, advantage of growing up with like a wrestling family. You can tell guys who grew up in wrestling families. Like, we were talking about Jeremiah Jr. He was talking about how he was a big wrestling fan when he was a kid. So. Mm-hmm. That you could kind of see that you could tell the difference when it's a guy who's just like doing it because he's a big guy. Yeah, and especially when you're a little kid, you remember what the bad guys would do to piss yes, you yes. off, they, and you yeah. do it. You do it exactly. You add it to your, you know what you're doing. I right. remember what excited me and what yeah. you know what would you know what was so dull it would make me go yeah. to the kitchen for a coke or something. But yeah. um, uh, but yeah. Anyway, the, that's why I was bringing up Kaneko and Tony Roko. It's just it. If you want to watch somebody with a really individualized style, and like I said, I think the only other match and a great tan and a great Actually, tan, a, gr- a, a I, I don't think you see it in that in that video though. A little bit, but a not as bit. much. No, he's yeah. always a, a sun worshiper, but not like he has been lately. Uh, the only other match you really find of him on YouTube is versus Fujinami. He wrestled Fujinami a lot Ko- of times. Ko- yeah, Mark Rocco. When, when, Tony, no, Rocco, Tony, Tony Rocco. Rocco. Yeah, That's Tony Rocco. Yeah, he actually went to Japan. Yeah, I, know, I saw those. But I've seen those. But yeah, a number of times. I've seen many. And here in LA, <laughs> they would wrestle each other frequently, yeah. which leads me to think he is probably a requested. Uh, yeah, I think he must opponent been, he was, of Fujinami. He was, he was working with him like almost every other every other like DVD that you get from New Japan. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> New Japan Classics. It's like <clears throat> every other show is like a. A Tony Ro- Roko versus Fujinami match. Exactly. The, Although I think they repeated a lot too, so it's like they did, but they did wrestle each other frequently. Yeah. I mean, whenever Fujinami would come here to LA, it's like the Orton Cena match over there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> except it's not it's, every week. Except it's not like a daily type of thing. <laughs> every week, I think they worked like twice in the last. Yeah, week. probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. This is true. Uh, they're trying to break the record of Chavagura and Roddy Piper the number <laughs> of times they've wrestled. That's what they're trying I think to do. They're trying to find a way to like. I'm kind of curious if there's like a record of who's wrestled the most times. Like, that would be interesting. Yeah. Flair and Steamboat have wrestled a thousand times. Quite apparently. a <laughs> quite a number of times. Yeah. I, you know, if I Cosas was and Blue Panther have been wrestling a lot. Lately, this is true, but not they haven't been wrestling. If I was a betting man, if I could put money on it, I, I would bet that Chavo and Piper are in the top five. Is really? I, I, I mean, they were in. I mean. Piper came in the L.A. territory late, late seventy five. Did they televise all of them? Like, or would they at least televise a lot of them? A lot of them. A lot of them. Well, I point where you would just turn it off. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It got to the point where I turned the channel because I I've seen this hundred yeah. times. You no, know, the funniest example in nineteen seventy seven uh, after they had already already wrestled each other jillions of times. You know, they're saying this Friday night. You must see it. Chavo versus Piper. It will be unlike anything you've ever seen. This will not be on TV. And this was live Wednesday TV. They're uh, advertising for, you know, the upcoming Friday yeah, night. Yeah. Then they say, tonight's main event. In this corner, Chavo Guerrero, his opponent, Roddy Piper. A two out of three fall match. <laughs> it's Wednesday night, and they're, they're barking uh, about the Friday... I swear Michael Bell was trying to do a tax write-off. He, I, he must have been trying to lose money. or Either that or the bookers had a great sense of humor. I just remember there, there was always these weird, like, I remember World Class would have matches where it was like The Simpsons, one of The Simpsons versus Eric Gambry. Yes. And it would happen all the time. It was like, oh, God, not again. Not again. It was time. And it was before Eric Gambry kind of turned cool. Like, like I think Eric Gambry was okay as a worker. Yeah. For whatever reason, he was fine before that WC. That world class run because mm-hmm. I remember him in Southwest doing like some of the stuff like not I yeah. didn't see him but watching him on video, but then like that one year where he was like the junior heavyweight champion and was still thin. Yes, 
was like the most difficult time to watch him wrestle. <laughs> and then like he came, he went, he let, disappeared for like a, a couple of months, came back and he was mm-hmm. like overweight. Like ridiculously overweight. Yeah. And he became cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he became like cool. Like To some like, people that can be a boon. Yeah, like know? for whatever reason, just being a, a, a fat dude was like a cool look for him. Hey, would Super Pork- Porky be Super Porky without being he extremely heavy? Yeah. Well, he did try it. I mean, try to lose weight. He so. did, yeah, yeah. It, wow. Just, <laughs> yeah, I like how they asked him after um, he suffered a, I think he suffered a concussion in a match. Mm-hmm. And they told him that the doctor told him, he was telling a story that the doctor told him he needed to take a week off. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, I'm not going to take a week off. I'll die in the ring. Really? I'd die in the ring then. Wow. That doctor, Jerry Graham, used to yeah. tell me that. Yeah. He says if I, he said, he said, you know, I love being in the ring and I'd love if I could die in the ring. Oh. You know, he actually said that. Sure, leave us all traumatized. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. Seriously, I mean, I mean, sure, it's nice for a guy like that to say that, but I mean, you're thinking... You can't think of yourself. You got to remember that wrestling fans. Oh God, yeah. Your family—they're all going to be there seeing that, and it's like that could kill your biz- the business too. I mean, just cause oh yeah, people are going to be depressed. Oh, I remember just seeing an injury that freaked me. I was uh, uh, Tom Pritchard wrestling Ray Evans, and when Tom Pritchard Pritchard made his big comeback, everything was going well, but, and then he threw uh, Evans into the ropes. Top rope snapped, and he fell out backwards on his head and just everything stopped and uh he laid still ambulance came took him away and Pritchard came back into the ring like about 10 minutes later and you could see how shaken he was and uh you know having you know the days of kayfabe he uh when he goes into the ring, all the fans start cheering him for what he did. <laughs> he was a baby face. And the first thing he said, he did, yeah, he was a baby face. And Ray Evans was, he was a great heel. He died very young, but it wasn't because of that injury. It was because he was a very self-destructive person. Yeah. Uh, but Pritchard came to the ring and just was trying to talk sense to the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Says, this isn't a good thing. He And he had to do the kayfabe yeah. thing saying, yeah, I don't like this guy. But he says... It says this this isn't a good thing. This guy could be seriously hurt and Yay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt bad for him because they the fans. Him more. He could be seriously hurt. Yay. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the... You know, I love the, the Memphis studio shows just because mm-hmm. people would like just scream like the worst. Exactly. And you would just see them cheer on like the worst stuff. Well the, the, well I'll never forget the uh anecdote that Brad, Jack Briscoe said so many times is when he was feuding with Bobby Shane, who was a top heel and uh, you know, Bobby Shane was killed in uh, the plane wreck yeah, that yeah. Uh, Gary Hart and uh, Austin Idol survived. Yeah. There's one other, I think, in the plane with them who survived. But when they announced that Bobby Shane had died, the crowd went crazy and, uh, you know, was like cheering. And Jack Briscoe was just... He's <laughs> like, dude, he's dead. Yeah, he was devastated. <laughs> and, and I can't remember. I wish I could remember uh, who it was who told was Jack Was there anybody said, maybe he's not dead? <laughs> But well, today they it's would. A work. It's, a work. <laughs> it's a work. It's a work. <laughs> they would today. Yeah, today they like, would today. Yeah. No, um, he, in fact, I think he wrote this in his biography. I, he he just was devastated and said, "I'm ashamed to be involved in wrestling right now. I'm I'm ashamed, uh, like of these fans." And uh, somebody said, "Jack, don't feel bad. You know damn well if Bobby Shane like could see this, he'd say." Oh my God! I'm the greatest heel ever. <laughs> like, like they really hated you me. Heard Jim Cornette talk about um, riding because he hates flying, mm-hmm. and he talked about when he was in world class 
I think or or I think world class or WC or you know NWA WC yeah. And he talked about how he was in a plane and it was um, he got in. He was fine with it because the only reason he was fine was because Gary Hart and Ric Flair were in it. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, they've already been in in a plane crash. What are the odds? What are the odds? Being, I love that story. I love one? that. I, like, love I always that. laugh. I was like, man, that's actually <laughs> <laughs> maybe Ric Flair. If I ever decide to go to Mexico, Ric Flair can be in the same plane. <laughs> hey, that could be a travel package. <laughs> yes. That could be a way for, for Flair to make money. Yes. You know, I will be in the plane. What are the odds? Yeah, yeah. Now, 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 I know Gary Hart is no longer with this. Is there another wrestler who survived a plane crash that we could... Ric Flair's the only one. Yeah, okay. Now, if we could arrange a plane crash and make sure the it's wrestler survives, but those we could all, have a travel package. They were small planes, weren't they? The small planes? Yes, yeah. yes. And, you know, where today it's like a lot of, you know, overdoses and, you know, Heart attacks and stuff. Yeah, we're totally doing fun. wrestlers these days. Back then, it was usually travel because they'd be they'd be traveling. Like, yeah, if they took yeah, a plane, it was usually a small plane. It was usually in cars, and they were logging so many miles that uh, you know they'd and, lose sleep. They had they'd to... lose sleep, you know. And you know, some wrestlers love to pound down drinks and um, you know, go on long, you know, do long trips. That's you, how you used to roll, huh? Exactly. You know, you, you know, you know how I love drunk yeah, driving. Cause, cause you know were, how much I love it. You're old school. That's your whole. That you came in. Well, I, I, I was, I was pop, I was popular because this uh, was your pre lucha days. My pre lucha days. I was popular because I was the only person the who sober. would stay sober. And the reason I stayed sober is not because I'm a teetotaler. It's because I said somebody has to drive. Yeah, you know, you were, you were scared. And I, I was scared because yeah, I knew, I, I knew that most of the, with maybe one exception, all the guys had no, didn't give a second thought to getting behind a wheel plowed yeah. you know but and you, you kind of got the territory in late like the 80s wasn't this was 1981 like yeah california wasn't as big a it wasn't as big yeah, a territory yeah. oh but but i've i've i've, I've heard famous stories yeah. about guys who you know would have their i'm not gonna say who but have their bottle of jack daniels handy uh that's in the vip um section of our podcast that's right we, we name names in the VIP we name names in the vip yeah <laughs> Fifteen dollars for the whole That's year. That's right, for the whole year. <laughs> and twenty five cents a piece if you yeah, want extra 20, names. Twenty five cents per name. <laughs> <laughs> I mean some of them are well known. Yeah, it's not like yeah. it's that big a secret. But well in the South was a favorite place because uh you know, Melsters talked about this a lot of times back then. If a wrestler was uh, a key name or you know, they'd get pulled over, they'd you know be drunk and the guy would say oh you're so-and-so oh, just be careful you know and uh, you know dr jerry graham always would tell me hey if you, if somebody's giving you a hard time tell him you're a wrestler <laughs> or if you're in a restaurant tell him you're a wrestler uh, and, yeah sure and I, I i i heard that sometimes that actually would work back in the 50s and 60s yeah. if wrestling was hot in a territory but the no I, I don't think vandal <laughs> drum is going to go to norms and say hey yeah. i want vip sitting you know <laughs> seating tonight you know um oh, uh, but oh oh, I remember I was going. What I was starting on is uh, the Heroes and Icons book, uh, and when I was comparing it with the Whatever Happened to Gorgeous George, uh, one of the most interesting characters that Joe Jarvis wrote about in that book was a guy named Whisker Savage, who was a huge draw for the promoter Moore Siegel in the '30s, and he just wrote some anecdotal stuff about him. 
And he was the most fascinating character to me. Yeah. And I remember for years, once the internet was around, I'd be Googling stuff about him. I'd find so little. Who was that other wrestler you would, you would Google, you told somebody about? Wasn't a real wrestler, but it, oh, know, oh, what was that? And somebody like somebody like Ace Womack, yeah, Ace Womack, Doctor Jerry Graham, yes. in a very our slam and stand, uh, our fake yes, slam and stand yes. character. Yes, and and Bix looked Bix up Ace looked Womack, the, and I think he found something on him. He found something, but I wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a it yeah. Was, oh, you know what it was? That led to uh, to you reviewing um, your Amazon.com. Yeah, what I did was I, I channeled the spirit of Doctor Jerry Graham in on my Amazon.com uh, review and yeah, said, "Why was it?" Oh my God. It was a book called The Top 100 Wrestlers, and I think yeah. they didn't put an Ace Womack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Doc one night was, uh, you, know, uh, you know, enjoying his career. Because I know right after Dan, 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 I think Dan sent me a message or something, and we were like, well, we got to make sure Bix doesn't bring that stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to hear another re- Amazon.com review. Oh, I do, though. <laughs> No, but but I remember he he had a falling out with uh, Tim Flowers and talked about I used to wrestle for his dad. I brought everybody in. I even brought in Ace Womack, the man so tough. Vince McMahon paid him fifty thousand dollars a year not to wrestle. <laughs> and I just I'll never forget Ace Womack, whether he existed or not. Yeah. But no, Whisper Savage not only existed, but it's a cool name though. Whispers. It's a great name and. Uh, when, awesome if he didn't have a beard or mustache or anything. He had a big beard and mustache. No, if he didn't have it, it'd be like, oh, that'd be funny. Yeah, it's like whiskers. Call somebody. Yeah. He, he has a partner who's a mini. Call, yeah, he's not even a savage. El- very, very sane guy. Here, and, and and he he his uh, manager is a mini who's called El Gigante. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, it was a, a cute story. But when I was googling, I'm saying, huh, I wonder if that was more anecdote and hype and stuff. But uh, Johnson and Oliver actually got really thorough information and even a photo of Whisker Savage. Oh, wow. And this guy, this guy was such a character. He, he was a failed boxer and, you know, by all accounts, he knew hardly any wrestling moves, just a few. But more Siegel considered him the biggest draw he ever had. And he was like Andy Kaufman. He just had charisma. Yeah, and he was like Andy Kaufman before Andy Kaufman because what he would do is uh, days before the matches, he had walked in downtown Houston in ragtag, you know, clothes like he's a vagabond and uh, had like this stray dog. You know, he had a pet dog that I guess looked like a mutton. Mm-hmm. And he'd just sit around, you know, and panhandle and stuff. And he would live the gimmick for the week. And apparently it wasn't so much like the Lou Fezes that drew huge in Houston during that time. It was Whisper Savage. Wow. And I can't remember exactly how they phrased it, but at the end of the article, somebody was visiting Morris Siegel, at, I think after he retired, and he had pictures of all the wrestlers. Uh, and that's you know, where somebody asked who yeah. and said why, And somebody asked, why isn't Whisker Savage in here? And he says something like, Whisker Savage deserves a room all of his own. Like, as if he was... And the he has the whole draw. shrine. <laughs> yeah, and apparently his matches were just very simple stuff, but people flocked to see him. And, yeah. and so, man, it's cool how many wrestling historians are from Steve Yohe to... So many guys now writing to... Like, and really doing yeah. hard research. I just, you know, want to salute them. So many guys now doing that. Well, you know what's interesting about this podcast? 
what? We covered a lot of we lucha, covered, but we covered a lot of non-lucha too. So I was laughing because Super Luchas did a, a top five um, mm-hmm. moves from like the early days, mm-hmm. and they had like the the stomach claw and the no way. Yeah, and they had like this other. They had this other move. I can't remember what it was, and I was like just thinking, man, that's true. But guys don't use those moves anymore. It's like you would use that. People laugh at you now that they would using that finisher. It's like unless you were somebody like The Rock, who I guarantee could turn the claw into something. Oh, exciting. the heart punch! I used to thought, think the heart punch was so awesome. But it, oh, I did too. I think it was more a Knox Baker thing. Yeah, Knox Baker looked like a scary motherfucker. Whereas, he did. I used to. Yeah, I used to be used scared to be, of him, and yeah. then I. I, and then what, you met him, and he—he's like the nicest guy. It was. Yeah, he is. He has that. He's a funny guy, uh, but. Uh, but I remember being terrified of him when I was a kid, and then when I got to know Ed Moretti, Ed Moretti was in Japan when he and Oc- he and Haystacks Calhoun were there. Yeah. And I, my fear went away when he said he saw them playing poker for pennies and nickels, <laughs> and they they uh, they, I guess Calhoun thought Ox Baker was cheating and said you dirty mother effing cheat, and they got up and were like swinging clumsily at each other. And <laughs> my fear, my fear was when I was a kid. Trying to explain Ox Baker's heart punch to like my dad, uh-huh. who told me it was a fit. It didn't work, and I go and I would try. I I mean, it didn't matter how much they told me it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. I would tell them religiously, no, it does work. He actually stops his heart for a few seconds. I love and it. He wakes him up, <laughs> and it's like it's like one of those things like they don't believe you or anything. Like, exactly, exactly. <laughs> they just think you're being stupid. The like, hokiest move I ever saw that I loved, and I even did it once, uh, was in '74. John Tolis. Instead of doing his knee drop, he came up with a move called the corkscrew. Uh-huh. He wore a loaded glove, and essentially what did he He put a headlock on his opponent, and then he gave them a noogie to the temple. Yeah, yeah, like that. Like, I, I loved I think I've seen that. I've seen I that. loved it. I've seen that. Oh, it was so awesome. There's just some moves where you like like the back rake you don't see as much anymore. Yes, I love that one. Yeah. Why don't people yeah, do that like, more? Like, and, and, I mean, the announcers are, are already used to that sort of thing. They could explain it. I mean... They they can't explain like a a, a a backcracker and stuff like that, but they they can explain some of the older stuff. Exactly, it's not like there's there's not this big huge turnover in announcers. There are all a lot of answer, announcers from like the eighties still mm-hmm. around. Yes, so still like, in oh. it, still in it. Yeah. Well, briefly before we go, I just want to plug to if anybody's listening in Southern California, Santino Brothers in Bell Gardens, California. Uh, promote shows usually on Friday nights. It's a really, really small venue. These are really quality shows. Uh, I think some of the best independently run shows I've seen in a long, long time. And uh, I was back saying hey to everybody, and, you know, Joey Chaos, you know, pretty much books it. And, you know, I hear, I, or I've, not just here, I've seen so many independent shows where, you know, pe- you know people are doing their best effort, but the shows are a shambles, or they go too long. They do too much mic work. Uh, this is one incident, or or one uh, promotion where the booker is running the show. He's nice to the wrestlers, but very firm with them on what they are to do and not to do. He, he doesn't slap them around. He doesn't slap her. <laughs> <laughs> no, he has supreme. Is that, that is that allowed? Like when you're training a wrestler to slap him a few times. <laughs> oh yeah it depends it depends how bad it depends it, it depends when you're training you, you well we're talking about the the female wrestlers when they get something wrong oh god her. yeah yeah there's a limit though yeah. i think she might be going a little yeah. overboard like alberto del rio slapping uh kicking 
seen Kara a few times for being a pussy. I, could, I, I, I guess on that level, I kind of could understand that. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, um, you know, he, he makes certain people keep to their time. And a lot of the matches, he says, eight minutes. He tells how many... The- eight minutes? Well, Man. well, think of all the 40-minute matches yeah, we've seen where the show starts at 8 o'clock, but it really starts at 8.30, yes, and at midnight, everybody's exhausted by too many matches. And they have the main event when everybody's gone already. Exactly. No, this goes bam, bam, bam. It's a tiny place like the size of a TV studio, and what I was thinking as I was watching it, it reminds me so much of TV studio wrestling when I was a kid, where you'd, you'd have these... Uh, Matches never went too long. He's, he he puts it up on UStream too. Yes, he does. That's Year right. Life. Yes, somehow he and it's a hot audience too. Somehow he somehow this small promotion figured out how to do UStream. And Triple yes. A could have figured it out. Yes, but I think I think it's more of a it's more of a yeah. And while I ob- it's a technical thing more than it anything. is. It is yeah. Uh, while I obviously could not invite everybody back to the dressing room to see how well it's run, uh, I do advise people if. You want to see some really good quality you wrestling. You just randomly show up in the, in the dressing room. <laughs> well, it's an indie show. Come on. You can't just walk in, you can't just walk in there. Oh, I bet one or two people could, but but I'd hate I'd hate for uh, like if eight or ten yes. like teenage kids said, Hey, hey. Vandal Drummond told me I could yeah. come back here. Hey. No, don't do that. <laughs> no, it's a really well-run outfit, and I'm um, going to try to hit more of those shows. It, it's quality wrestling. Uh, you're not going to see marathon 30-minute matches. So, if, you know... Oh, man. If, yeah, if you're one of these people <laughs> who want to see every match be this five-star match, and uh, no, but they're not duds either. They're good. Yeah, they're just good. They are what they're supposed to be. Good short matches, basically. Exactly. Yeah. And they're, it's, a, it's, uh, it's one of the most enjoyable outfits I've seen in a long time. So, And I'm not just saying that because I'm... Uh, that I, because I know them. You know, he is a really good guy, but... He wanted a quality thing, and it was really fun seeing. Oh, they're Supreme. always involved. They're always involved in the local scene. Yeah, too. yeah, and they're always there to help. They've, yeah, I, you know, I remember both uh, Joey and uh, Supreme wrestling on a lot of the Johnny Legend shows, and I remember Joey. He, I don't even know if he's eighteen yet. He was like the tall, skinny, good-looking kid, and you know, I'm, you know, I'm looking at them saying oh, they're, they're not too bad. I wonder, I wonder how long they'll be into it. I, I never would have guessed that they would be like you know, part of the SoCal wrestling. Yeah, like being main guys. Yeah, pillars of it, yeah. you know, and so that's my plug. Well, and... I mean, a lot of those guys who you, who saw you like Super Dragon, mm-hmm. those guys are now running their, yes, they're, they're yes. like the guys running the, the, the town now. It's cool. Yeah, it's super... very cool. I mean, it's cool to see th- things that last, you know, PWG. Yeah. It, how long has that been around now? It's like 10 years, maybe? Probably one of the longest years, lasting right? Because yeah. I think it, it started right when MP, um, MPW first closed down. So that when it first closed down, so that was probably two thousand two, probably. Yeah, so about yeah. twelve years back. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, things are happening. Uh, so anyway, thank you, folks, for listening. We'll be back again in two weeks. Two weeks, but two weeks, which means maybe three to four weeks. So let's okay. Let's say we'll be back in one week, and maybe we'll be back in two weeks. <laughs> Don't you love the way we think? Yes. Thank you, folks. We will talk to you soon.